doesn't, I don't know if it seems like a week ago or not that we were in Kentucky. I guess it does, sort of, but I don't know. It seems like it's been a, long, a while ago. But uh, we go down, uh, for those of you who may not know, we go down to Kentucky to a, a mission down there. And we're, we're way down in the bottom of Kentucky, the bottom left-hand corner. Tennessee's over the mountain this way, and Virginia's over the mountain this way. They're right down in the corner. We're just below Hazard, the Dukes of Hazard. That's where they lived. <laughs> so we're right below Hazard, Kentucky, about 45 minutes. And, and it's, you might say it's out in the middle of nowhere, but it really is. It really is. It's, uh, you just, after we leave I-75, we drive an hour and a half. And then we get to where we're going. So it's it's out there. But it's just a really good time. And, and I really want to say that, you know, when we go, you know, we go representing the Lord and you. You know, that we go representing you. And, and you know, you're all a part of what's done down there. Um, we got some slides we're going to take a look at. Um, the first one, this is the group that went. Um, Dan and Connie Gundy on the left. Start from the left. And then Joyce Morris. And then Noah's down there. Noah didn't come with us. We he's there. He's at the missions. But but anyway, he got in our picture. But uh, and then Mary and I and Mike and Jenny. And next week you'll see the group that went to the youth side. And Mark and Barb go down. And Barb cooks. Barb cooks at the youth mission. They're only about six miles apart, fifteen minutes. But uh, they're only six miles apart. And Barb cooks down there. And then uh, Mark comes with us and works sometimes down there we kind of went back and forth this year so we worked at both places but uh this is this is up to the group that stayed up at uh at connie boggs where we take the food and the clothes okay um on the left well the dog what was his name rocco was that it? bruno bruno i was gonna say right that didn't sound right bruno the reason they have the dog they had two dogs they had a dog on a chain who was mean and black I mean, he was just not, he was. Anyway, they have two reasons for the dogs. One reason mainly is to keep the bears away. Or to at least alert you when the bears come. Yeah, that's what the dogs are for. So, um, and the dogs, this one runs loose at night. The other one, it goes inside their house. But this one stays outside and kind of roams. Anyway, that's Connie Boggs. She's the lady who we send clothes and food down for on the left. Next to her is her sister. And they've adopted Noah. They're raising Noah. And Ken is on the right. Ken's on disability. He was a coal miner. And uh, he was also uh, past, let's see, well, how was it? He had a stroke. He had a stroke and hit somebody head on down, down there. Anyway, he's a pastor. And uh, he has a church. It's really, they're really mixed together. But he has a church down at the other mission. If that makes sense, doesn't make sense. But anyway, he's down to the mission. He has a church down there. It's just really, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a good time of fellowship. You know, the encouragement and the fellowship is, is wonderful. So that's, that's a lot of what's, what's really neat about it. Okay. This is where we eat. Um, this mission, it, at Connie's mom and dad ran a school there. And they ran a school until the miners mostly left and the school uh, shut down a few years ago, but it, but it, the facility's still there, and this is where we stay. Um, this is the kitchen. We have they have three or four big long tables. And we all sit there and and we have an evening meal together, and that's where we get to fellowship and just uh, just have a good time sitting around. Sometimes after we eat, we talk a while and play games, and nobody even turns on the TV. Um, we do have Wi-Fi. Phones don't work. But we have Wi-Fi. 
But uh, that's, just, that's just a good time, just sitting there and, and fellowshipping together. Um, this is the food pantry. This is where the food goes. Last year, we put the shelves in. That's one set of shelves. On the other side of the room is another set of shelves. And this is food stacked, ready to go to be handed out. Um, she says she's a little low right now. But, uh, you know, there's another shot. Connie, they went in and organized, organized food and, and all the things in there. There's just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. A lot of organi organizing needs to be done. And that was just, they, they spent most of their time doing that. And they also went out with Connie when she delivered food. They took like, I don't know, a day or two. They went out and delivered food to the people out in the community while we went out working in different places. This is the house where we put two doors on. Um, Dan and I went to this place. Uh, we, we, you know, were told that ahead of time that she had doors. We didn't know what that meant. She said she had a door. We hoped it was a pre-hung door. And then she said she had two doors, and we just weren't sure what that meant. Um, and she had a room that needed jacked up. This is the, this is the door in the back. We, the, the door she had was a 36-inch door, and she had a 30-inch hole. So, you know, Danny had to take a circular saw and cut up the side of her wall and take out part of her wall so we could make a hole big enough to get the new door in. So um, we did that. And uh, let's see, is that, that's the front door. That's the front door. When we walked up to the house and looked at it, she handed us a piece of the frame and said, you know, it's a little loose. And she, <laughs> she, pull, she pulled it off and handed it to us and, and so had to rebuild you see the new wood in there, and we rebuilt it. It was a little funny. It was funny. I can tell this. Well, yeah, I'll tell it anyway. Um, but when we were all done, she says, I can still see a little light through there. And I'm thinking, whoa. You know, I can too, but I mean, not compared to what we started with. <laughs> and, and when we were all done, when we were all done, she said, thank goodness I don't have to tie a string to my doorknob to hold my door shut when I go away. Because that's how she shut her door. She had a string tied around the doorknob and went across her porch and wrapped it around the porch rail. That's how she kept her door shut when she left. The back door, she said, oh, thank goodness, the snakes won't be able to come in anymore. You know, the door will be tight enough, the snakes won't come in. There's the back door finished. And uh, she's hoping to get her husband home uh, from the hospital. And he's in a wheelchair. I don't I, I don't know, that's more faith than I had. But um, She also had a floor that she wanted jacked up and in her living room. In her living room, there was a corner where she had an entertainment center, and I think there was a TV in there, and she had a bookshelf that was full of books and a whole bunch of stuff stacked around it, and it was sitting. The whole room went like this, and she wanted that jacked up. Well, you know, okay. Well, we went outside and looked at where she wanted it jacked up. All we saw was two floor joists coming out and nothing they were just hanging in midair and they were down about this far from the ground she had a railroad jack anyway it wasn't going to work and we said no nah, i don't think we can do that i would have been afraid to jack on it because it probably would have went right through something else so so anyway so we didn't do that part of the job but but she was very thankful for for what we did do for getting the doors on her house um okay we also painted uh these are Shelving racks that uh, Bob Carpenter donated to the other mission where the youth went. And um, I don't know, there was 10 of those racks and pieces. And Mike and Jenny and Mark painted a whole day. And then 
we went, Danny and I, we painted another part of a day painting all these racks so that they can put them up in different places. Um, some of them went out in his shed there to, to stack tools and things on, and some of them he's going to put over in the food, his food area. He gives out food as people come to his place and get food. So so we spent a lot of time painting racks. There's a rack painted up and put on the side of the building, and we moved a little firewood, not there, but on the other side of the building, we moved some firewood, and he said, now be careful when you pick that wood up. He says, always look for snakes. Not just any snake. He had a rattlesnake in the house he was willing to give me. It was soaking, it was soaking in salt water. He says, well, you can have, no, that's all right, we'll pass. We'll pass. Okay, the youth, the youth on, was that the first day, Jeremy? You're going to get probably more pictures of this, but I show this because it, it blended into our project. On the end of this house, see this house here? There's a house that's never had siding. That is Tyvek over top of uh, press board, um, blackboard. Never had siding. What we're going to do is they're going to put an addition on this house because they have two girls, teenage girls, who they've had to adopt because their parents have been killed or died. And so these girls, one of them sleeping in a bedroom that's six foot by seven foot. The other girl, yeah, six foot by, think about it, six foot by seven foot. Some of you could touch both ends if you laid right. The other girl sleeps in the dining room. So the project is to put an addition on there, 12 by 26. The youth went down and dug 12 holes, two foot square, and poured concrete in the bottom of them in one day. Now that maybe doesn't sound like a big deal. But in Kentucky, that dirt is full of rocks. You don't just dig, you dig through rocks. And Jeremy told me, he says, we, one hole, the hole right here on our left, he says they dug down and hit a rock so big that they just said, okay, we're pouring concrete on that rock. That rock's going to be part of the foundation. So the youth went down and they, they dug these holes. And then we went down. Okay, I'll tell you a little story. So we're down painting, okay? Now this is kind of how it works down there. It's very informal. So we're down there painting, and Nathan says, he's the head of the projects and the youth projects, he comes up to me and says, hey, he says, no, the youth dug those holes. He says, would your guys be willing to go down there and lay the deck for a house for the addition? Now, this is on Friday he's telling me this. And I said, well, I think we could do that. You know, we got the Danny and, you know, Mike. The guys know what they're doing, so we could probably do that. He says, if you can do that, he says, by the way, he says, talk it over, but... Um, I need money for the material. Now, he, you know, he, he's doing projects. He doesn't have money. And so he says, you know, I need about $900 for the material. Can you do that? Now, I'm really careful about spending money, especially yours, okay? I just want you to know that, and the Lord's money. I, that really, that was a real struggle for me because I'm like, can I give authority to spend 900 and some dollars for material? What if I get back and they said, well, what'd you do that for? And I thought, well, then Mary can buy it. <laughs> but, but, but no, so, so I thought, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I know. I so anyway, bottom line, we did it. We bought the material. A truck, a truck delivered material there. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to you. Now, it's a straight, straight truck, okay, loaded full of lumber. Okay, when you pull up to this, the drive across the ditch to get to the house, the road goes this way, and the drive comes back this way, okay? And so you, 
you got to kind of swing. I swung way over on the left-hand side on a curve, and then I kind of hit that bridge. And it's only got sides like this, so you can't tell where the bridge is at. Well, I'm in the van. I can't see no, you know, so I said something. Hey, get out and see, where the, see if I'm hitting the bridge. You drive across the bridge, you go down. There's a house that's up over here. You go down, and you go around this way, and then you go up at an angle about like this, up a stone path, and you swing around, and there's this house. They delivered lumber up there. <laughs> and so, so anyway, the second day, we got there about 8.30, maybe we left at 8 o'clock. We got there at 8.30, started stringing that to put that, that addition up, the deck and the foundation. There we are, digging holes, setting, the, setting those wood, wood posts on top of the holes, and then running the 2x12s across, and then you put the floor joists on top of that. It was 90 degrees and no breeze back there. It was hot. At the end of the day, I personally thought, thank you, Lord, for two things. One, I survived, and one, I didn't feel too bad. Now, that had to be a miracle. Um, I, I thought it was a stress test, personally. Um, there we're about done. Um, we got done at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, we left and went, went back home, had tools picked up and everything. That's, that's towards the end, getting everything done. That's the end of the house. Where the air conditioner sets, are going to cut that hole out and put a door through there. There we are working. You can kind of see we're tucked back. You know, the van sits down at the end where you come up and just stop. And there we are, all done. All done. Yeah, and there was a big, right, see that little rock right to the right there? There's a rock there. It was about the size of our church van. And I asked him, he said it slid down the mountain and stopped right there. I said, when was that? He said, oh, about 10 years ago. He wanted to move that. When we got there, he had a bulldozer come in and try to move it, and they couldn't budge it. So he's out there with a drill, and he's drilling through this rock. When the kids were there, he puts black powder in them holes, and he blasts that rock, and the kids had to go behind the shed because it was throwing rocks all over the yard. <laughs> But he was working at that, trying to get that rock away. So, so that's, um, that's our project. That's what we did while we were down there. It was uh, a busy time, a fruitful time. Um, it was good. It was good. Um, while we were there, and I'm not going to preach in case now, you can either say, oh, man, or you can say, oh, good. I don't know. <laughs> you, know you can take your pick. Um, but I just want to let you know, while we were there, they asked me to preach on Sunday. And tomorrow... To give you, tomorrow I'm going to be preaching at WLMB, tele, uh, taping a show for WLMB for Pastor's Point. It's not my favorite thing to do. I had the sermon kind of sort of pretty ready, so I preached it down there. And now tomorrow, I got 27 minutes. I, gotta, I, I mean, when I say 27, they go click. I mean, you got 27 minutes. You start, and at 27, you're done. You're done. So I do that tomorrow. And I just want to share with you the, just a couple highlights of that, what it's going to be. If you want to hear it, I don't know when it's going to telecast sometime throughout the next year. Um, but the message is, you know, in Matthew 7, and I, I want to read this scripture. In uh, Matthew 7, we don't have a PowerPoint because I'm not going to preach, but in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said something that I think was very, I say, unsettling. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, 
That's, that's talking about preachers. I mean, people that speak the word of God. Not just preachers, but that's preachers. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many mighty wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That is unsettling to me. It's like, wait a minute. You're talking about prophesying, speaking the word of God. You're talking about people who you know, cast, have authority to cast out demons. How can that be? Number one, I, how can that be? How can that be? God is always faithful to his word. If they prophesy in his name, if they cast out demons in his name, they do mighty wonders in his name, God will honor his name. Okay, now, here's the problem. There are people doing that who don't know him. Or let's, let's get it a little more, let's get it down to our level. There are people who maybe lead worship, sing on a worship team, teach Sunday school, help at Bible school. They do things in Jesus' name, but they don't know him. That's unsettling. It's unsettling to me. Number one, I think it ought to be unsettling to me personally. That I ought to stop and think, whoa. I make sure I'm not doing that. Make sure that's not me. Because I want to tell you something. The people that think it's not them, that they don't even pay attention to that, they're the ones that's the problem. You know, the Pharisees thought they were perfect. They, they did everything right, and they were the ones he's talking about. So we have to be very careful. So I'm thinking, how can that happen? How can that happen? Here's what I want to leave you with. How does it happen that somebody could do all those things but not know him? In Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've never tasted and you've never seen that the Lord is good, you can do all kinds of things in his name but not know him. You have to taste of him. You have to take him in. Jesus, Jesus, a couple of times, several times in his, in his ministry, he said, I'm the bread of life. You've got to taste me. Oh, what's that mean? You've got to see that I'm all you need. I'll give you life. You've got to take me in. You've got to partake of me. It's got to be Christ in me. And you've got to take him in. So he said, you know, I'm the bread. The last meal he had with his disciples, he says, Take and eat. This is my body. What's he saying to him? He's saying, take me in. Receive all that I am. All that I am. His salvation, his forgiveness, deliverance. He, all that he has for us. Provision, he provides for us. We have to taste. Taste of him. Take him in. And then we have to see. We have to see. What do we see? If you've never seen God work, you'll have trouble believing he is. There's a story of a blind man who was healed. When the blind man was healed, everybody started arguing. Well, let's see. Who's his fault here? Did his parents sin? Who's the problem? See, religious people do that. Well, let's see. Let's try to figure this out. Let's try to argue about this, argue about that, argue about this. Finally, they get the blind man, and they come, bring him down. They sit him down. They say, okay, we're going to ask his parents. They ask him. Best, one of the best quotes in Scripture. They get the blind man down, and they sit him down, and all he says is, you know, I don't know if he's good or bad. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. I see. What did he see? 
He saw God do something. He saw the goodness of God. He saw who God was. If you don't see God act and work in your life, you'll have trouble believing he is. You've got to taste him and see him. You've got to experience him. Otherwise, you can go around doing things in his name just because you do. One of the biggest dangers is people who have grown up in the church. Kids have grown up in the church. What happens? We educate them, which rightly so we should. And we teach them. What do we teach them? We teach them the Word of God. We teach them all about God. We teach them everything they need to know about God. So they know God. And so now they've learned all the words. And they can quote words. They can quote Scripture. They can quote all kinds of stuff. And nothing wrong with that. But if they never taste and see, then they're going to go through life just knowing about Him. And the danger is at the end, Jesus say, I never knew you. I never knew you. So we have to taste and see. We have to experience him in reality. That happens for everybody differently, individually, but it has to happen. It has to become real to you and me. What do you do? Well, you know, first you've got to believe, you've got to confess your sin and accept what he's done for you. You know, you got to do that. You got to taste, you got to experience his forgiveness. Now, you don't experience his forgiveness unless you think you've sinned. You know, if I haven't sinned, why do I need forgiven? You know, if I've been to church all my life, if I've learned everything, if I know all the answers, and you know, you might be the best answerer in the group. Doesn't mean you know him. Because, you know, how, how have I sinned? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. We have to come to that point that all of sin, all of sin, and we have to ask him. We have to experience him. We have to taste and see that he is good. We have to experience him. And so that's individual. That's up there. We give people the opportunity. Now let me say this. You can also learn how to do that. You can be in a church and learn how to do that. Oh, in our church, I know what they do. I know the system, you know. People come up and they ask for forgiveness and they, and they say all the words. And then I go out in the pond and I get baptized. I do what everybody does. And so now I must be okay because I do what everybody does. You can do all that stuff and still not know him. It has to become a personal everyday. And do the will. He says, those who do the will of my father, those who do what I tell them, have a relationship with me. It has to be a relationship. So... Pray for me tomorrow that I can do that in 27 minutes. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's not one of my favorite things, but that, so be it. Um, so, you know, as a pastor, that's always my prayer. Lord, somehow, somehow help everybody to know him, to know him, and not to think they know him when they don't know him, you know. And so everybody makes that decision, comes to that point, has to. Otherwise, Jesus says, oh, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart. Go away. Terrible. Terrible. But when we know him, he calls us by name. He calls me by my name. And we, I think we sang that today. He calls us by name. What a, what a neat thing. He knows my name. Wow. All those people out there, and he knows my name. Let's all stand.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for opportunities we've had to share with our community and with community in Kentucky and everywhere we go, Lord, for all the lives that you're touching through each individual here, Lord, people that we don't even know about. Um, I know Dwayne was up in Finley yesterday, shared with 320 children. You know, people, Carol and, and Jim going to the going to the hospital and sharing with Dick and and uh, Lee sharing with the nursing home. Lord, I could go on and on. Think about people that are sharing your word, Lord. I pray you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to continue to share your word where we have opportunity. Lord, that we'd be faithful to you. Faithful to you. That we would we would know you. Lord, not about you, but we would know you. We would know you and who you are. And we would do your will. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray you to speak to our hearts. If anyone doesn't know you, Lord, help them to make that decision to know you. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. Lord, I pray you dismiss us now with your blessing. And if anyone needs prayer, Lord, just help them to come up and let our prayer team pray with them today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.